Campus Life Podcast. My co-host slash producer and I discuss topics like self-care, owning your own business as an artist, creating, and more with each other and some special guests. If this is your first time here, hey, my name is Shay and I'm a junior MBA and vocal performance major. And I'm Caitlin Mannion, the new student programming coordinator, where I help to plan new student orientation and also host the podcast with Shay. Today, we're joined by some special guests and some voices you may recognize from previous episodes to talk about the University of the Arts Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Fellows in an upcoming project they have in the works. We would love it if our guests could go around and introduce themselves, share their major or position, and anything else they want the audience to know. Hello, everybody. My name is Jerry Wills. My pronouns are she, her, and I serve as the Diversity, Inclusion, Programming Coordinator in the Office of Campus Life. So generally in my role, I do different programs and events that try to foster an inclusive campus environment here at UART, um, whether that be through community channels, through identity-based holidays and celebrations, through the social justice leadership program, all those things. But my role has recently expanded this year where I get to oversee the DEI fellowship position. And so I'm super excited to talk a little bit more about what that position looks like here at UArts and also for you all to hear from the fellows themselves. I'm Tyler Econa, my pronouns are they, them. I'm a DPP major, screenwriting minor, and I'm a representative for the School of Film on the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. I'm a student officer. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Hey, everybody. It's so good to be back. It's Kamara Corker again. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a senior dance major. Wow. And I am a representative for the DEI Fellows. Amazing. We are so happy to have you all here today and super excited to hear more about the DEI Fellows. So um, to start off, Jerry, can you give our listeners more information about the DEI Fellows, how they started and what they do at UArts? Of course. Yeah. So I kind of want to give a little bit of background information about the committee as well and kind of lead up into how the DEI Fellowship position was born. So um, we started as the DEI Task Force. You know, we were tasked to kind of assess campus climate, culture in regards to inclusivity at the university and kind of form our priorities and give suggestions to the Office of the President of things that can be implemented throughout the university. Um, in the past, we have had student consultants serve on the DEI task force, but that wasn't something that was necessarily formalized or something that was kind of kept up with. And so as we transition into a DEI committee, now that we're a full standing committee, you know, we're not a temporary thing anymore. We decided to kind of reevaluate what student voices looks like on our committee or what they could look like on our committee. And so this past summer, um, I worked really closely with the chair of the DEI committee, Maurice Baynard, and also with our previous Title IX administrator, Lexi Morrison. Lexi has since transitioned to other opportunities outside of the university to kind of figure out what would it look like to have students serving on a capacity and how can we compensate them for this role as well. We understand that a lot of our students are already doing this work in their schools, in their clubs and organizations, on their own, in their art. And so we wanted to make sure that we are fairly compensating our students because this requires a lot of emotional labor too. And so over the summer, I really worked hard to figure out what the position could look like, what does it entail and all of that. And then in August, we kind of launched it on a whim in a remote learning environment and trying to figure out how can we gain students' interest and keep them engaged through this. And so with the process, all the students that were interested were to submit 
you know, letters of recommendations and also a letter of interest to their deans. From there, the deans kind of put forth their nominations to the DEI Fellow Selection Committee, which was composed of folks who already serve on the DEI committee. And then we made our final selections and the rest was history. And so um, I've, be I've been able to work with the fellows since um, we've started, I would say September, October-ish. And we meet every week trying to figure out, you know, what this role can look like, um, trying to identify different priorities. And the fellows are also actively engaged within the, com the committee themselves. So they serve on working groups, which are subcommittees, and they also attend all the other things they got to present at our very first DEI town hall. And so they're very active members in the committee. And honestly, their input and their insight has just been so invaluable and has really changed the trajectory of our committee overall. So that's a little bit about the DEI fellows and kind of how they were born. Wow, that's so amazing. That's actually like really exciting to hear that it's become like a solid committee now from where it started. Um, even though it's in its first year, I've heard so many good things. So I'm super excited to hear more and share with our listeners as well. So Tyler and Kimura, why did each of you decide to apply for the DEI fellows? Yeah, so I decided to apply for DEI fellows once I had really taken into consideration the changes that were required for this environment, for our community to really elevate to the standards and to the goals that we have set from when we first come in as first years and wanting to be a part of the changes that are required in order for this community to really collaborate, to really thrive in diversity, equity, and inclusion, not only collaborating on an artistic level, but on an identity level, kind of building that community and establishing for me, this world that we want to see. Um, I find it that it's really important, not only for me leaving as a senior, but so that people can realize that change is possible, even in the short amount of time that we have been here, we've noticed the little changes. So applying was off a desire to be a part of the change. And now that I'm in this position, seeing the changes happen in the classroom and then in the paperwork is also really uplifting. Yeah. I think that I, it came from a place of both frustration and then afterwards, I think like a little hope. Um, I think that as a sophomore, I'm, I'm a sophomore, I'm a rising junior. And I, at first at UR, it's like my, my experience was that I would attend certain classes and we would have these important discussions about inequality structurally and like institutionally and we'd have all these really interesting, good, progressive, informative discussions, but I felt like something was missing. And I felt that like nobody was doing anything substantial. And that frustrated me as a student of color. And I think that I was noticing this like willingness for like other people to be like, you know, I wish we could actually do something to like change the stuff that we always talk about how it's bad and like I started feeling more and more frustrated that I as a student could not do anything materially or substantially to like change the environment around me and like uh, like at the same time I was also you know like suffering under the like you know institutional stuff that happens here that is like inequality and and you know stuff like that um and I was approached with this opportunity and I was like this is actually something I'd really be interested in. And I think since then, I have really tried to apply all my knowledge, like all my strengths, um, because I think that I have this like 
real passion for I, I just I want to make change and I want to do that as substantially as possible for my entire time here because I also have um, had like seniors talk to me and I've, I've been in meetings with seniors about just not even DEI things but a lot of the time they've expressed like my four four whole years here nothing has changed and I'm still complaining about the same stuff I was complaining about as a freshman and sophomore and I'm really frustrated about my experience and like I wish that things could have happened faster so that I could have benefited as a student and I was like I don't want to have that experience <laughs> like uh, they had given me advice like you know as a student do everything that you can because lots of people are not going to put in that effort so yeah like Kamara said just be the change that you want to see I guess and I think I'm really motivated to put that work in. Wow, that's that's amazing um, from both of you. I commend you both for seeing like a need that a lot of people actually have and stepping in and taking the lead role and making that change happen. So shout out to both of y'all. Okay, Jerry, I have a question for you. In what ways are the fellows making a positive impact on the university community and even outside of the university community? Yeah, that was a really great question, Shay. So I think just by being the student voices and being the one that the committee turns to has just been so helpful. So like I said, the fellows also serve on the working groups. Um, and so they're also kind of doing the groundwork of the committee too. They're not just kind of sitting in their own little silo, just talking about things that are actually a part of the groundwork. And so the very first thing that the fellows did was hosted DEI roundtables in their respective schools. And so they work with their deans to kind of facilitate these conversations about what are you experiencing on your day-to-day -day in conversations and how can we use that information to really prioritize what our goals should be and how can we be strategic about that? And so I think that was the first place where we started to kind of figure out what change was necessary and how can we kind of use the committee and all the folks who kind of serve on that committee in different you know, spheres of the university, use all of our positionalities to enact that change. And so I think that was the first part of things that I've seen that the fellows have done for sure. The fellows are also doing like really great work within their own schools and they have a lot of really great ideas. And so it's really hard to kind of put a finish line on change because we still are in our first year. But I think that because we've collected that information from the student voices and now we have direct you know, communication with students on the committee, we're able to hear exactly what is happening in the classrooms, outside of the classrooms. We're able to kind of interweave all of that information into our strategic goals as a committee. That's amazing. And I commend you as well for spearheading all of this along with the students. But for our other students who might not have known about DEI fellows when you were first accepting people, but they do want to be a part of this change, what does the process look like of getting involved or becoming a DEI fellow? Yeah, so we're actually changing our process <laughs> for this um, upcoming year. We're having three fellows that are graduating, Kamora included. We're very sad about it, but it's totally fine. We're going to find um, other folks who have just as great as knowledge and wisdom as as our graduating fellows. And so um, I, if anyone's interested, keep a lookout for next academic year. Unfortunately, we do not allow first year students to apply. So that's because we want you to get fully acclimated to the university. We want you to understand the culture and all of that. And so we don't allow first year students to apply. 
But like I said, our application process will look different this upcoming year. What's going to happen is that you're still going to submit your application materials being your letter of interest. You're also going to fill like, like a quick form with some information. Um, and then you're going to need two letters of recommendation from faculty members to you know, support you and endorse you as a fellow. From there, all that information is actually going to be sent over to your deans. And so your dean is then going to review all of this stuff, and then they're going to submit their nominations to the DEI selection committee. So from the DEI selection committee, they're going to kind of rate and rank all everybody's application materials using like a uniform rubric just to kind of eliminate as much bias as we can. And then um, from there, the fellows who are kind of make it through that part of the process will then have an interview with myself and also with Maurice Baynard, who's the chair of the DEI committee. And we're gonna to get to know them a little bit more, see how, you know, see how they are, see how committed they are to this work, try to understand like how their backgrounds and experiences may shape the work that we need and all of that. And from there, it's gonna be the final decision. So it is kind of a long <laughs> process. But I'm happy that we're able to talk about it um, early so that folks who are interested can start prepping as much as they need to. And I will say we are going to be looking for fellows for the School of Design, the School of Dance, and the School of Theater in the upcoming academic year. Stay on the lookout for more information about how you can get involved with the DEI fellows. And also just one more thing I'm going to ask Jerry. I feel like I've been asking Jerry a million questions, but one more thing I want to ask. Can you just get into a little bit more of what the role of being a DEI fellow entails? Yeah, so right now our expectations are that you make it to the DEI full group meeting. So those typically happen two to three times a semester. We also ask that you join um, working groups, which are our subcommittees that I talked about before. And then um, we meet weekly as a group too. And so you're also gonna be having to be a part of those meetings right now. What we're really looking for is, I feel like we're in kind of the idea brainstorming phase of the DEI fellowship. And that's the great thing about the DEI fellows is that you get to serve up to two years for your term. And so we understand that like, because DEI work can sometimes take a little bit, you know, navigating on the institutional politics and all that jazz. We, we needed as much time as we could with the fellows. And so that's why we have that two-year term. Really, it's really up to the fellows, whatever priorities that they identify. So some ideas that we came up this year was a professional development workshop series. We weren't able to launch it this year, but that's something that we're looking to launch in the fall. We also talked about our BIPOC feature mag, which the fellows will talk about a little later in the podcast. So that's another initiative that the fellows are starting to do. So a lot of the work does happen within those working groups. And so I'm sure Kamora and Tyler can speak to a little bit more about their experience on those subcommittees and how they've been involved in that ground level work. So I've been a part of the curriculum working group and working with them has really looked like how do we shape our community's curriculum to really highlight BIPOC individuals to really kind of shape the curriculum in a way that's very not so Eurocentric and allow for the diversity to bleed through what we're learning, not just how we're living. And that's starting to operate in a way that allows for people to really shape their syllabus, syllabi, the plural of syllabus, in order to highlight everyone that's in the classroom versus highlighting what is traditionally taught in a university standard. So I've also been working with Kamora in that subcommittee. I've also been working with the policies and communication subcommittee, which um, is, we're focused on 
um, making sure that the policies and communication of the university reflect DEI initiatives. And basically what that looks like is overviewing the things like the process of um, holding people accountable when there are incidents happening that have to do with DEI and reviewing those like those processes. Um, also making sure that, you know, our policies are inclusive and making sure that we're covering all our grounds with representation, but also justice and what that looks like in terms of institutional spaces and policies. Yeah, we have been working with Kelly Deasy as well as other people to, I guess, expand and also give student feedback and like student experience speaking to that in terms of what we face on a daily basis and like the things that we've seen that could improve in terms of accountability and action and the things that the university could do accessibility too that could improve for students in the future Wonderful. Thank you both so much for sharing what your work looks like for everybody out there listening. Kamora and Tyler, some other students at different universities outside of UArts may be interested in a program like this. So do you have any advice that you would give them if they wanted to kind of even like start this type of program or get the wheels turning so that eventually their school could have this type of program? Yeah, I would definitely say start to recognize the needs of your community, but also your own personal needs and voice and self-advocate as much as possible to all of the right people. I know a lot of us have this fear of like authority and that relationship of having to step up, especially when you get to college, but recognizing that you're actually an adult, like it's not like a this isn't like a virtual world, like you're really an adult and you're allowed to advocate for all of your needs and all of the changes that you feel like your community needs. Just take a leap of faith and step up and empower yourself so that you can empower others. I feel like that's one of the things like a lot of the DEI fellows have taught me and have I've been learning here is like once you take that role for yourself, and advocate for yourself, you can kind of make that change happen for everyone around you. I think that as an underclassman, I came to UArts sort of without much experience in leadership. And the experience that I had, that I have had in the past was in high school, you know, small potatoes. And I think that coming to university and like Kamara said, like realizing that I was an adult and I had power and I had influence and adults professors, staff, admin cared about the things that I had to say was empowering in itself in the first place. And that was before I even had anything meaningful to say. But, you know, as I had developed this like sense of the culture here and the things that I faced, the things that other students faced, I did feel, I I started to feel more confident just speaking up in general. And I think that honestly, people overlook it a lot, but my writing skills have improved so much in terms of like actual like communication and airing my grievances out in an articulate way. Writing emails, literally writing emails is something that has been so integral to actually like my communication about getting things started and the things that I have grievances about and the things that I want to start doing and people I want to start communicating with, especially in a virtual sense. That communication is essential. I think that for me, a lot of the times writing and written communication comes a lot easier than speaking or just like 
being in person. But I think that even without necessarily like a ton of experience, you still know your own like experience in leadership, even if you don't have that, you still know your own like student lived experience. And you can speak to that no matter how articulate you are, because if people care, then they will listen to you and take your input for what it is. I think that my advice for other students would be just to not stay silent. And also, I guess, explore your connections, reach out to people who you think might be able to help. And if they can't, ask if they can refer to you to refer you to somebody who can. I think it really is all about making connections at the end. I just wanted to chime in and say that I love that you both talked about like being an adult because I think being in college, I'm 20, about to be 21, but I feel like I'm a child. Like um, sometimes I forget that like I'm really technically grown. So I think that honestly does stop a lot of people from standing up and doing things or thinking that they have a voice because, you know, we just came out of high school and we don't quite know. So I'm glad that you both touched on that because I think that's something that's super important that I didn't even think about. And I think it's good that there's a community of empowerment within the DEI fellows too. And you can continue to build on that as the years go on. Wonderful. Thank you both for sharing. I think it's super important. So if we have any friends outside of UArts listening right now, you got some expert advice right there. So kind of want to shift gears a little bit because there's this big project that y'all are working on and I want to hear all about it. So can you share more about the BIPOC feature mag and kind of like the behind the scenes of what's going on with that and where we could find it now or in the future? Yes, yeah, so we've decided that the program that we would do for this semester, because we wanted to really gather community, even in a virtual sense, and the best way to do that was through a magazine. So right now we're in the early stages of the BIPOC feature mag, we're, but now that we have collected submissions, we're looking at, I think that speaking just to the background of it, we really were trying to brainstorm a way that we could feature student voices, especially in a virtual space, and specifically like BIPOC student voices. We recognize that there was a need for it because of a lot of the time in person as well as virtually, we were not getting that space, whether due to institutional bias or personal bias or accidental bias. We had recognized that there was a need for it. And that's where the idea initially came from, I think. And yeah, having that sort of like collective, this is our moment, like here is the stuff that we have been working on and here, here is how it relates to our backgrounds, our ethnicities and cultures and our experiences, I think is something that is so important and something I'm so excited for. So yeah, this magazine specifically will be highlighting 12 amazing artists of different years and different majors, kind of taking a look at their work and giving them that platform to really elevate who they are, not only as young artists, some of them are first year students, some of them are about to graduate in a few weeks. So just really taking that opportunity to uplift our BIPOC students in a way that hasn't really been done at UArts before. So really taking that initiative and hoping to start a new tradition that will encourage this uplifting to continue not only as a program, but just as our daily lives. So that artists of any identity are able to really feel celebrated every day versus just on special occasions. So I know that it's towards the end of the semester already, but are there any other projects outside of the BIPOC feature mag that y'all are working on that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, so I recently have uh, proposed this idea that is still in the works. We're still figuring out 
the ins and outs of it. But a DEI newsletter uh, sent out via email, I think bi-monthly, is something that we have been talking about for a while. I think that I had realized like throughout my time doing DEI work that there were so many things that I had come out of, like talks and like meetings, seminars, things of that nature. And I had come out of it with all these like cool resources, all this good information that I had wanted to write about or speak about. It's just like, wow, I have all this new knowledge now, or I have all these new resources now, and I have nowhere to put them. I have no, like, I don't really, I don't know how to share them or where with whom. So I think that I, I came up with that idea that, you know, what if I were to send out emails or, you know, we had some sort of team, sort of like a journalism team, something like that, um, that specifically had to do with DEI concepts and initiatives. And right now we're working on that sort of like multimedia approach of like, what could we include in an email newsletter to make it accessible and to make it appeal to students specifically. I was also thinking about this is how this has been like a growing concern, I think, in the university as a whole and just like within the student body about how professors need to update their DEI policies and initiatives. And that is a, one of the big issues that we are focusing on right now. And a lot of the time when we have that conversation, it's been that we don't know how to get them to do that. And we, we can't guarantee that all of them want to or will. We can't force them to anyways. And I think that having resources just in an email is a great way to reach out to them and be like, you are not alone. You don't have to do it alone. Here are some things that you can do to educate yourself because not everybody can take the time to do that for you. And just like self-help resources, self-educational tools, I think is a thing that is really going to be useful. But also for student voices as well, sharing our perspectives, also our artwork and other things like linking to podcasts outside of the university, YouTubers, books, article recommendations for knowledge and communication. That's something that's in the works where I'm definitely looking forward to like expanding it. I think that it will definitely be by the fall semester, it will be like a substantial thing. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Shay knows that I love my newsletters, but I think that newsletters are a great way, like you said, for accessibility, but also here's a concentrated place to get information about a topic that you're interested in always. And it's just a good launch pad for a lot of different ideas. So I'm looking forward to that newsletter and I can't wait to see it bloom into fruition. Wonderful. So I know that y'all have an Instagram account. So does somebody want to drop the handle for our listeners and then we can link it in the show notes for everybody? Yeah. So the DEI fellows are branching out beyond just email blast and trying to connect with our broader community with our Instagram. And you can find us at uarts underscore DEI underscore committee. Again, that Instagram handle is uarts underscore DEI underscore committee. Amazing. Well, Caitlin is going to put the Instagram and anything else that you need to know about the DEI fellows in the show notes. But I do want to take time to genuinely thank 
both Kimura and Tyler as well as Jerry just for being here and also just for taking on this position. This is such an important role and this is like something that I've been looking for like since I came here like I used to always say all the time like it's just Jerry like why is it just Jerry like we need other people as a part of this committee so seeing y'all take on this position I just feel so happy and overjoyed that you all are here um so yeah thank you but yeah it was really nice to hear about the work that you're doing and thank you for letting us know how other UR students can get involved as well yeah we appreciate your time and everything that you're doing for our community and we'll make sure that everybody has info they need to know about the DEI fellows in the show notes Alrighty. Thank you to our listeners for kicking it with us once again and remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend bye Thank you.